In this episode, we're going to talk about different perspectives of leadership, a little bit about the philosophy of stoicism and how to get to the next level. I'm excited to share this episode with you because in this conversation, I'm joined by Josh Atlas Altman. He is so many things. So I'm going to share a little bit about his background uh, before we dive in. He's not only one of the top 150 speakers in the nation and a recent number one best-selling author, he's also received several Bronze Star medals in the military and is a former White House Military Officer of the Year. Uh, he's an award-winning leader, has a lot of thoughts and ideas and tips and suggestions for current and future leaders and a really unique perspective that I can't wait to share with you on this podcast. So buckle up, let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Josh, so good to have you on the Manager Track podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Hi, Ramona. Always good to see you. Love your content. Your audience has a lot to offer, and I give that to my community as well. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Uh, yes. So taking that up front, Josh and I have met, was it through LinkedIn? Yes. Yeah. Yes, through LinkedIn. Years ago. I feel like years ago. It feels like that too, because <laughs> we see each other daily, kind of. Yeah. Uh-huh. So check out the show notes to grab Josh's LinkedIn and Instagram handles and connect with him on there too. Before we get to all that and what you do today, I'd love to kick off this conversation with you around the topic of leadership, but go back a little bit. So you've had an extensive career. You've been in so many different roles and had exciting um exciting, exciting positions, but also a lot of success throughout your career in different areas. What does leadership mean to you or what did leadership mean to you as you were growing in your leadership career and how, how has that changed or evolved over time? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, leadership to me was exactly how Google defines it today. Like when you Google leadership, it's going to say a person who is responsible for or commands uh, an organization, a group, or a country. That's actually Google's definition. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's pretty general. And that's how I thought about it in the 90s when I became a leader for the first time. And, uh, and then that weight hit me, right? Like, I'm that person. I'm that person now that has the responsibility. And then when I went to a leadership school, uh, the Air Force actually sends you through a leadership school, just like every military branch. Uh, they started showing me things. And uh, that was right around the time when uh, we, were, we were all still in books. And then later, as my course uh, work started to evolve into videos, uh, and I got promoted into leading more people, uh, they brought me through another leadership school. 
And that was when I saw Simon Sinek's Start With Why, right? Which is very old school now. Like that is the wrong way. And people are tainted by starting with why. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. But I thought maybe, maybe I should figure that path out and what my why is. But that's dangerous. Because if everyone has their own why, and they start bumping into everyone else's why, it turns into a why room. And that just doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and, and I saw that play out. And then I went to another leadership school and we talked about it um, with a Harvard professor at the Naval War College. And, and he was very interested in why we thought why was the answer. And as I reflected on my career, like I'm doing now, I started looking at pockets of excellence and elite teams that I was a part of. And they all selected people. They started with who? Yeah. Uh, so I was like, wow. And recently, just like within the last couple months, I started asking that question because my theories on leadership have all been developed on who. And, you know, it starts with you, obviously. Like that's something that Ramona, I know you do really well. You get people to look inside themselves and then you dig them, um, their, their, their strengths, you dig into their strengths and their weaknesses and you pull them up and you're like, look, you're going to be able to do this. And these are the things you do well. And like you develop people and you expedite the process for them. And um, that's something that took me years, no doubt, to figure out. And it was unfortunate that, uh, that I was always trying to start with why. And then I was getting corrected from senior leaders who were like, no, who? Like, I don't want to hear all that junk. Who is going to do this work? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to give me the, the project? And when we started going with who, well, that's when magic happens, you know? And people have magic inside of them. Yeah. And if you don't experience that, firsthand by asking like well, what can you bring to the team what can you bring as a leader you're missing out on yeah. a whole lot of goodness there yeah this is such a powerful message and I think for you know when I hear this sort of for the first time there's definitely the moment of well the why is important and the purpose is important we're not just trying to go aimless and we're trying to make sure that we're all aligned on that same mission but that's maybe not the like that's not the main pillar and then everything else is we have, you know, blinders on and everything else will just naturally work out because we have a strong why. But like you said, we want to start with the who and the people and that starts with yourself first. Breaking it down, making it a little bit more tactical to the people who are in their first, let's say, 10 years of their leadership role. What are some things that you notice? You might speak to people and you're like, oh, they're all into the why. This is the old school part. What are some of the things that would help you or would demonstrate to you that this leader cares all about the who, what are the things and the behaviors that they focus on? Whenever you go to visit somebody that you are, you're helping out or organization or company, and you meet these leaders, they're going to tell you about something, whatever it is that they do, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're going to be very personal and they're going to tell you what they do. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to tell you what their team does. That's, that's experience. You'll see that. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to tell you what the company does. So in um, Joint Special Operations Command, they brought you in and they gave you a NASA example. And NASA example looks like this. Everyone in the company, in NASA, in the organization that is NASA, helps people 
get into space, puts people on the moon. And you got to remember, the United States is the only country that has put somebody on the moon. No other country has done that, right? So NASA is a powerful organization because everyone in the organization works towards that end state. So when they stop a janitor, they say, what do you do? They say, well, I cleaned the floor here, but like our company puts people on the moon. <laughs> You're going to see that in leaders, right? Because it, it goes through the organization. It comes down to the lowest level. It doesn't matter what you do in the company. The company's why should be very obvious. Yeah. Then you have to figure out who needs to go where and why doesn't even matter after that. So the who's there, um, you're going to see that whenever you ask a leader, uh, what is it that you do? They're either going to talk about themselves. That's a why mentality. They're going to talk about their team. That's a how mentality. Or they're going to talk about their organization. And that's a who mentality because their organization cares about people. Yeah. Yeah. Would you also say if I was in a leadership role and I was really focused on the why, I would be looking a lot more towards like the what we're actually doing in the project. And I would pay a lot less attention on building a high performing team and making sure that no matter what we're doing or how we're involved here in the organization, I am responsible for developing the people and making sure that I'm cultivating a high performing team environment. Yes. Back to your first question. The definition of leadership and how it changed, the responsibility part remains. Mm-hmm. That responsibility um, is to, is, it's on the leader. It's on the manager to make that responsibility happen. Um, so that never goes anywhere. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's where they focus as a leader. And wherever you focus is, is what's going to get accomplished. You know, that's, that's been proven time and time again in science. So, Yeah. That's fantastic ads. Thanks, Ramona. Yeah, because I think, you know, I, I remember myself uh, in my early leadership years really being focused on the what yeah. and the deadlines and the tasks. And then I just thought, like, we as a team, we're going to figure this out and I'm going to kind of like bring everyone a- along. But my attention to actually this thinking about do I have the right people on the team? Are they in the right seats? Uh, what are their career goals? How do I create alignment? How do I support them at their development? How can I be the best coach to them on a personal level? All in an effort to create results together as a team and do so in an, in an effective way. That was that was secondary, tertiary, potentially. Empower people and get out of the way. Yeah. People say that all the time. It's something people love to say. But do people actually do that? I mean, I mean, what you said too, like as you grew out of that, that, uh, that the first mindset into another one and you started to develop and you started to probably see a lot more success that way. I, that's a very bland summary to empower somebody and get out of the way. It's, it's different to be focused on the person and what they can deliver than just empower them for, for, you know, well, I'm empowering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Totally. That's one of those like book chapters that you read and you think sounds great. And then you go back to work yes. and you're like, wait a second, but how does that work? How do I? Yeah. <laughs> I am empowered to build a, an airplane. Okay. I don't yeah, even know how to do that. That's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I feel empowered though. So I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So one of the other things that um, we have in common is stoicism. And I'd love to just quickly touch on this. You were part of the interviews that I conducted for this book that I'm writing around stoic leadership. And we both see the value of the philosophy of stoicism for leaders. Can you talk a little bit about how stoicism influences you today and how it has influenced you as a leader over the last few decades? I'm a big fan of Seneca. I like Marcus Aurelius. I like Heracles, but Seneca is my favorite. My favorite quote from Seneca, and I'm paraphrasing because I always do, because reading the quote is just, you know, it, it's nobody really gets it. So, but they get it in a common language. So it's not that our life is short, it's that we waste our time. Mm, yeah. That's a, that's a Seneca redo. I absolutely think that people, save you time. I think that management and leadership together, they work to save you time. In fact, I think I've used it before. There's a, there's a clock scenario that I like to describe. And what people see are the seconds hand on a standard clock, right? That second hand rolls around and that's all the work getting done. That's very evident. If, it's, if it stops, you're evident it's, it's really apparent, hey, the clock's not working, right? Mm -hmm. The minutes hand, if it's broken, that's like management. That's making sure that all the work's getting done, right? And it's doing shorter cycles. That actually, that's also very important. And you're going to find out if your management's messed up real quick. But the leadership is that hours hand. It ticks by. It guides you to that next cycle, right? And that's the whole clock that I like to, to, to pull out of that Seneca quote is because we have all these seconds and we have managers to make sure that the seconds are going. We, we have leaders to tell us what the next hour looks like, but we fail so often to actually put it into perspective like that. So, um, yeah, Seneca is my favorite, uh, but he's very, he's very popular. Just people don't know that they're using Seneca quotes like, uh what's another one ignorance is the root of all fear that's a seneca quote mm -hmm. right like if you don't you're scared because you don't know like yeah. that's that's obvious right um so having hardship without showing it and uh and that that's just yes i'm all about that we are definitely on the same page when it comes to that perspective and i think we need more of that in the world uh so however we can gain those followers <laughs> i'm on board with you <laughs> well, we're on a mission together. <laughs> yes, we are. I love the visual. And oh my gosh, I can think of so many situations where I was overly focused on the seconds and um, maybe partially on the minutes, but for sure not on the hour. Because I was initially uh, early on very, very focused on uh, looking good. Like in looking good meant get everything done, achieve or exceed goals, uh, be on top of all the different communication channels coming my way and the messages, uh, quick to respond, problem solver, you know, what we call be the superhero jumping in and, and rescuing the situation. Those things were what to me made me a good individual contributor. And, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot is the mindset shift you have to go through in order to be a good and great leader early on. But this is a big one because as a leader to your team, uh, it's so easy to, to continue to focus on that second ticker. Yeah. 
and forget that your actual responsibility and what will change will make the mark between being sort of like mediocre manager to being a great leader that people will remember, will, you know, talk about, will you feel like they had, they were changed in some way because of their leadership. That is all about the minutes and the hour. And people will always focus on the seconds. You, You can never get them off the seconds because that's what's moving the ball. That's what's making money. That's what's making things happen in the world. And so it's not that it's not important. It's just not your job anymore. (laughs) You know, as you roll out of it, you got to give it up and teach somebody else how to do those seconds. And, and when you roll out of the minutes, you gotta, you gotta give it up. You can't take those minutes anymore. You got to look forward to that, but everyone should see the clock, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone should see the clock and where it's at. And uh, so that, yeah, that's, that's my Seneca. That's, that's my whole Seneca example. That's my stoic influence um, and how I describe it to people. And, uh, and it seems to hit pretty hard that way. Yeah, totally. In a leadership role, the seconds and that is not what's going to provide unique value to the team. It is the minute and the hour that does. And I wrote this in a book and I mentioned this um, often. I have a colleague who's very senior in the coaching space, coaches a lot of founders and CEOs in Silicon Valley. And I asked him once, what's the work that you do with your clients that you find most impactful? Like if they do or implement this thing, what is it that has the biggest impact in their ability to lead, grow their companies? And he said, it's the discipline and it's discipline. And it means to really be uncomfortable and being pulled into the seconds, right? The tasks and all that. But having the discipline to block out And I think it's about an hour a day that he recommends an hour a day of strategic thinking that has nothing to do with the tasks. It's not emailing. It's not, you know, doing anything that's on a deadline. It's to think about risks, to think about goals, to think about communication, think about vision, think about the marketplace, competitors, messaging, branding, all those things that the CEO has to really own. And if a leader can lean into this and make it a practice to do this 60 minutes a day, yeah. that's when they really take off. And for us, so easy to say, like, there's no way, right? There's no way I could do. I remember in my little role back then, I was not a CEO of a company. There was no way I would have said like, yeah, 60 minutes, easy. You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what really matters. And so- I think this this understanding, this is where the real power lies and aiming to build up that capacity is so important. Yeah, well, I think the 60-minute rule is a good idea. Um, that's actually, it's a process called time boxing, right? And what you'll do is, and what he's doing um, or, or your friend is doing is making sure that the things that he values and thinks that are, are important get that time in his life. Because you'll never get that time back. There's, you'll never get your words back. You'll never get the time back. You'll never get your, your ability to proceed to the next level back if you're not paying attention to the people you have in your life yep. and, and the time that you have. And, you know, M. Milet talks about it a lot, too, um, where he, he breaks his day down into three days. And uh, I didn't realize, but I was doing that when I was in the Air Force. Uh, when I was deployed with uh, special operations, I was doing three days in one day as well. And um, time boxing that off to make sure my morning cycle, I got one one thing done. My second cycle after lunch was a mission. 
And then my third cycle after dinner was making sure all the admin was prepared so that I could start the next cycle again. And I was doing three days in one day, but I didn't have to be deployed. I didn't have to go get shot at. I didn't have to roll, roll around in helicopters to try to expedite my time. It's all there. It's you can do that. You know, we can all do that. 60 minutes seems like a lot of time until you start doing it. And then you're like, wow, I'm glad I did that. So fantastic advice. I love this. Yeah. And it saves you time, right? Um, It may sound like I'm making this huge time effort, but then you prevent conflict, you prevent, you know, people problems down the road, you prevent misalignment, miscommunication, you prevent conflict. Uh, You may even prevent some risks or uh, challenges coming your way. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have. For a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. Let's talk a little bit more about the advice. This advice of the clock and uh, what to focus on is huge. And I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into the advice that you have for new leaders, people who are really coming through the ranks, who would like to stand on the shoulders of those who've come before them. If you look back, what do you wish you would have known? Or what is it that you would pass on as like these key messages or principles, things that we may overlook, not see blind spots and so forth? you're not going to be able to do everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a boss that came to me and said, Hey, I think you're working too hard. And, and I was like, why, why ma'am? And she's like, well, um, I can just see you doing everything. Your name is on everything. So I kind of got into a cycle where, um, I, it was just faster for me to do it. I, I know how to do it. Right. And then I would spend 10 hours, I'd spend 12 hours, I'd spend 16, I'd spend 18, I'd spend 20 hours a day at work because I was doing it all. Mm-hmm. And what I found was I wasn't getting enough sleep and then I started to get sick. So I found early that I can pass this on. And then I went into the four Ds. So the four Ds are, are due whenever you get a task, you can do it, you can delegate it, you can dump it, or you can delay it. And mm-hmm. see, I don't believe in delaying at all. So if you're going to delay something, you're not going to do it. That's really dumping it. But I started putting things in buckets with those D's and I did some things. I still did some things, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I still Mm -hmm. did some things. Um, but I started delegating a lot more 
and then telling the person that gave me the task, I was delegating it so that I no longer had to be in that communication chain. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started saying no to some things. And that's a hard thing to do as a new leader because everyone wants to look like they can do it. They, they just had a lot of responsibility given to them. And then they feel like they, they need to do it because it's always been done, whatever it is. And quite honestly, new managers are in the perfect position to look at a situation and be like, you know what? I don't think we need to do this anymore. Let me give you an example. So for a long time, we were writing memorandums uh, to appoint people to certain positions. And it would say, this person is appointed to do this job, signed leader, right? Mm -hmm. We have an email now that does the same thing. Why do we still print out paper and sign it and spend all the time doing that, formatting, printing, paper, and then we, we scan it back in after it's signed and we put it in an electronic document uh, folder that no one's going to read anyways. It's a big, giant waste of time. If I was a new manager today and someone gave that to me, I'd be like, hey, you know what? Just send me an email. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then I would roll on with whatever I was doing before instead of spending the time that it would take for me to do that or delegating that to somebody who has something else to do. That's just one of the examples I have. So that's number one. Number two, communication is extremely important. This is a Bible verse. Adam and Eve, when God created Adam, he said, hey, don't eat from the, the tree of knowledge. And Adam was like, okay. And then Eve was created. And Adam said, hey, don't, don't eat from the tree of knowledge. And don't, don't touch it or you'll die. And that's not what God said. So the devil used that, right? The devil came as a serpent and he said, hey, surely if you touch it, you won't die. And that poor communication from Adam, where he added something that wasn't there, created sin in the Bible is what they would call it today. But that's a perfect example to describe every situation where a new leader is going to get something and add something else on there. You know, don't do that. Whatever it is that you were given, do that. Don't add to it. If it's going to be better, bring it back to the person that gave you that and ask them if that's what their direction is. Because a lot of times you'll end up doing work you don't need to do yeah. at all. Yeah. And uh, so communication is huge. If it's not clear, make it clear. Spend some time on that. Third, and this is always, always a lesson people um, need to get. Leadership is not likership. I'm going to say <laughs> it again. It. <laughs> leadership is not likership. So if you're a new uh, manager and your friends are now jealous because you got promoted and you're trying to make them like you, stop it. You're not in that position anymore. You don't need friends to help you do the job. You need people that were hired to do the job to do the job. So trying to befriend people, that's something every new manager seems to go through. And then you're going to get tested. If you don't go through it, you're going to get tested. Somebody's going to come up and be like, hey, sis, hey, how you doing? Um, yeah, I'm not coming to work on Friday because I got this going on. You're like, what? Mm -hmm. You got a decision to make, right? Um, okay. And then, you know, they start taking every Friday off or whatever. You know, they take advantage of the leader and don't be that manager. Don't be that leader that gets the advantage uh, hood put over their head because um, people are going to do that. They're manipulative. And that's just part of the experience. So those are the three. 
So good. Okay. So first one was delegating um, and looking for efficiencies in the process, which by the way, I think, especially if you're new to a team, put that question out there and say like, Hey, you know, as we're getting started and as I'm sort of getting to know the processes or as we're building all this and growing, what are some of the things that you notice as being inefficient? Yes. Again, right? Doesn't have to all come from your own head and your observation. So it goes right back to delegating the question even and leveraging the insights from the team. Then you said the second thing with the communication, clear direction. Gosh, I couldn't agree more. There's so much that we make harder than it is or more complicated or more confusing than it has to be when we're not very specific with the communication, making sure everyone's on the same page. So many times I think I'm being really clear or used to think I'm really being really clear. Then I would ask my direct report, what are you taking from this conversation? What are your immediate next steps? And then I would say something that I was like, no, 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 that's not what we talked about. Right. right. Yeah. But to my other person, the person I'm in conversation with, that is exactly what exactly. they thought we talked about. Yes. And I had to recognize like, no, sometimes I think I make perfect sense and I actually don't. <laughs> so double checking, uh, such a blind spot, blind spot, right? Double checking yourself. And then no likership. How good is that? <laughs> yeah, right. Leadership yeah. or likership. You know, you choose. I, I'll tell you what, you can be nice. You can be demanding without being demeaning. Okay. You can be very clear with what you need to get done. Mm -hmm. and and be like i need this done by the end of the day yeah and it'll get done my good friend and uh my current boss uh his uh his instagram handle is puddlegum24 i love his instagram handle i think it's hilarious but he sent me this chris pratt video where he's accepting an award and one of the rules that he has is a chris pratt ism rule number four don't be a turd <laughs> he says you know just because you have the authority doesn't mean you have to be bad to people like yeah. you don't have to be mean you don't have to do that that's called being a bully and you shouldn't be a bully especially yeah. as a new manager that's not going to come across well either so i love yeah. that stuff <laughs> well but but being clear and being direct is also in a kind way is kind and i think oftentimes we think that saying no is going to hurt people and be unkind or make us not be liked um, that, you know, setting clear boundaries of what is okay and what isn't okay on the team, especially if these are friends or former friends, to have really clear rules of what's being tolerated and what isn't getting to being tolerated. Those are the kind things. Maybe not that initial minute, or now we're talking about the seconds, right? Not that second, but within the minute or the hour, that was the kind thing. And probably is also the thing that then helps you be respected over time. So from all of this, what was the hardest lesson for you? I'm curious. The hardest leadership lesson for you to learn. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, back to the communication, it's always about communication. Um, and, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to continue the, this, this string that we're talking about. You're being selfish. If you're not being clear, you're, you're being selfish. If you're trying to be nice instead of telling somebody exactly what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Because quite honestly, they want to know exactly what you need done. So yes. beating around the bush or trying to make it pretty or trying to communicate it in your own way will only end up in delays. And 
you're going to feel bad for yourself for being selfish mm-hmm. and holding that in. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm the type of person that does leadership by walking around. Like I like to check in with the team. I like to see how they're doing. I like to get my hands dirty. Um, if we're doing an op and I'm, and we're shooting, I'm shooting too, you know, um, if, uh, if we're going to go somewhere and, and move some things, Hey, I'm taking my, I'm taking off my, my shirt and we're going to go get some rocks moved, whatever it is, I'm doing it. Um, but I don't see that to me as, uh, trying to get, uh, influence with them in a popularity contest. I see that as an understanding what I'm asking for as a leader. Uh, scenario. So um, it's hard whenever someone tries to emulate what I do because they do it wrong because they're not me. Mm-hmm. And everyone has their own leadership style. Everyone has their own. So whenever you try to figure out what you're trying to do, it's okay to pull from a lot of places and try things out. But if it doesn't work, you got to move on. Because the reason why we can't define leadership and the reason why there's so many different perspectives on leadership and, and managers is because everyone has their own opinion on what that is. Yeah. And everyone thinks everyone else is wrong because they're not like them. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not true at all. So that's the biggest lesson I think I pulled from, the, I mean, when, when working at the white house, I'll tell you, uh, that's kind of when it was highlighted when I was uh, working for uh, the Obama administration and I was seeing all these political leaders and their different perspectives on things. And they were all right perspectives. Mm -hmm. They were all correct, but they conflicted with each other. And I was like, this is just like leadership. Like people come in and they're like, we're going to do this. And you're like, why? And they're like, because of this, like, doesn't make any sense, man. This is why. And then, because no one's communicating, no one's overlapping the messages for, for like, again, the minutes start to go backwards and the seconds start to go backwards. Then the clock gets all messed up and we can't figure out which way we're going. Can't tell time, got a broken clock, etc. You know, uh, that's, that's where it's at. I know I just went around in circles on you, but that's exactly what happens whenever your message isn't clear. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love what you shared about being um, selfish there, because I think oftentimes what comes up and what we most of us have to learn, most of us are not naturally born to give feedback, tough feedback to other people. Mm. Um, and once you're in a leadership role, it is not optional anymore. Up until that point, for you to give feedback to a boss or a colleague, it's kind of a nice thing to do. Yeah. Not, op- not, not mandatory. As a leader, yeah. there's no way around. It should be on your job description. There's a book called The Nine Lies of Leadership. And one of the nine lies is people like feedback. They don't like feedback. But you can say these three words, I owe you, and then feedback. <laughs> and anything, I owe you feedback. And then that lightens the mood and everyone understands what's going on. But yeah. in that book, The Nine Lies About Work, it talks about whenever someone goes through a feedback session and it's a negative feedback thing, they immediately shut down, don't listen to what's being said. And then they just wait for it to be over and they say, okay, thank you. And then they yeah. leave, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I, I this is Mark <coughs> book, isn't it? I have it somewhere here too. Yeah, you have it too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because I have a bit of a, a different opinion on it. And I think there's a lot of feedback that's given in a very ineffective way, which I think is why 
um, we have to, it's a skill. We have to learn how to get feedback and how to avoid people being defensive. Right. And what you said, like, I owe you or how I frame the feedback. It's still feedback. I may not even call it feedback. But to help someone else see what they may not see and highlight the implications that their behavior has on other people, uh, I do think that people want to grow and learn from that. Um, but that just like in in its in itself, I think for us to not engage in these difficult conversations or to not share something that very clearly would benefit another person from knowing or, or having this piece of of insight is selfish too. Oh, right? yeah. but we may just say like, no, I'm being nice. Like if you feel like the nicer person, <laughs> we sugarcoat it. Yeah. Don't want to hurt anyone, but we don't want to hurt anyone because we don't want to feel bad. That is. I, I like how you, how you said that. I think we're going to disagree on the feedback thing though. Um, Cause and maybe, <laughs> maybe we should, that be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think our commonplace is between you and I is maybe it shouldn't be called feedback. Maybe it should be called something else. Like, let me give you some coaching yeah. or, um, Here's one that I love. I had a boss that did this for me all the time. And he would be like, what do you think about? And then fill in the blank. And he, and it was always something that he saw as a problem that I was having. Mm -hmm. So every, uh, it didn't click till like three times. And he's like, what do you think about the way we're doing this maneuver? And I'm like, well, you know, I talked to uh, five or six different experts on what we're doing, sir. And mm -hmm. they suggested that we do it this way. I only made minor modifications and, and then uh, that turns into a conversation that yeah. is better than one way. Cause I think feedback's looked at that way. It's one totally. way. Well, and I think, you know, a big part of when I talk about feedback or train on feedback is to shift away from the judgment of right or wrong or good and bad and yes. to go into the mode of curiosity. And when we start from like, Hey, I want to understand, like I noticed this happening. And I want to understand, like, tell me more what you're thinking. Tell me more what, what happened. Tell me more where you're going with this. This is where the other person feels heard and understood and then is receptive mm -hmm. to the dialogue and the input. But anyway, so that is like a whole feedback thing on its own. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I got to learn more from you on that because that's one of the things that I just avoid. I don't do feedback anymore. I do on the spot corrections. I'm like, that's which, wrong. Yeah, which I think is then a terminology is like, wait a second. I think we're, you're still doing feedback. <laughs> yeah, see, like, I think we're, I think we're in agreement here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there is um, one more thing that I wanted to share before we conclude this conversation, which is you write these kids books, which uh, this one is The Fox in the Talks, which I think is so awesome. One of the things that I, it was on my bucket list is to write a book on leadership for kids, by the way. But I think I'm like five years out from that. No, um, but I love that. I read this. I got it right when it came out and I read it over the, I'm going to say the last couple of weeks or so with my kids. And you have like little questions at the end and they all jumped in and we're filling this out. So if you have kids, we're going to drop this link in the show notes. Um, cool book and beautiful illustrations too. So really well done. Um, Josh, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation on leadership. I know we could go on for hours. Yeah, really could. <laughs> you know that? Ramona, I got to recruit you. I'm trying to sell yeah. more kids books on leadership than Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss yeah. sold 600 million copies of his books and I've only got a couple thousand in the hopper. So I'm trying to get people with leadership ideas, experience and coaching like you have in front of kids so that the next generation of leaders 
starts way ahead um, with the, the principles that uh, that we all seem to be uh, thinking are basic. So yeah, I would love to help you with that. I'd love to help to get your book out there. Well, see, to be continued. But I agree, because right, we both see how some of the things that we've patterned to believe or patterned to uh, behaviors that we instill in little kids from a young age. And then later we realize like those actually do not work well with the leadership mindset or the leadership needs and demands that we see now and, and can project into the future. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation on the Manager Track podcast. As always, I'd really, really enjoy hearing from you and your insights and, and learning from you as well. I highly recommend checking out Josh on his Instagram or on his LinkedIn and visit his website, leaders-kit.com to learn more about his services, publications, as well as how to book him for speaking engagements. Josh, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you again. Thank you. Manager Podcast. Woo! If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.